Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. We're cutting through the matrix on the 23rd of March 2011. I always advise newcomers right off the bat to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the audios which are uploaded, which are there for download, I should say, for free. There's hundreds to choose from, and I hope to give you shortcuts to understanding the big system into which you're born, uh, the controlled system to which you're born, and the way it operates and so on, and how it readily controls the way you think uh, through education, through indoctrination, and through the media and entertainment. And inter- entertainment, is, you can never put it down as simply there to make you laugh or cry. It's there to embed certain points of view and things into your head so that you'll think things are quite normal when they actually have come across in your, in your own lifetime. You, you'll think it's all quite natural. They show you progressions of things, even in their disaster movies, in fact, getting you always prepared for the next next thing to come and showing you how you must give up even more and more and more rights with everything they show you in fiction. It always becomes reality. So help yourself to the audios, as I say. Remember, to all the sites listed are the official sites on that webpage, the com site, and they all have transcripts in English of a lot of the talks I've given for download and print-up. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwatchsentinel.eu, which has a variety to choose from. And remember, too, you're the listeners who bring me to you, so support me by buying the books and discs that I have for sale and on the website. From the U.S. to Canada, you can always use personal check or an international postal money order. You can use send cash, and you can also use PayPal to order. Just use the donation button, and you'll see the prices and so on on the websites and uh, follow it by an email with uh, your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you pretty quickly. Same across the rest of the world. You've got Western Union, you have MoneyGram, some people can send cash, and uh, you can also use PayPal to order. And remember, too, that donations are certainly uh, welcome, more than welcome, because it costs a lot to do what I'm doing, and I don't terrify you and then offer you the solutions by selling your products, because that's just the way I do things. So hopefully it's up to you to keep me going. Remember, the ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN to broadcast this show, and I've got nothing to do with that, and that pays for the staff equipment and the broadcast and their bills, so you can help me with mine by helping me out, too, because... Whatever you hear on this show is always repeated the following day on numerous other shows as well, and um, sometimes even verbatim from the words I use. And uh, as I say, I don't, uh, I'm not here to make money. I'm not here to terrify you and use it as a gimmick to sell you something that's going to save your lives. Uh, so it's up to you if you want to listen to me or not, and you can do so by supporting me. We know that... Um, just, just a few minutes ago, these reactors in Japan now, supposedly four of them are either smoking white smoke or else it's steam. And because everything's getting filtered through uh, the, the public broadcasting station for Japan, which is government controlled, 
um, we're getting confusing stories on what's causing it. But regardless, they've not fixed the problem, obviously, because regardless of its small core of its steam, it's radioactive and uh, it doesn't look so great after all, does it? Uh, with all their high science and their, their wonderful terms and terminologies and their incredible vagueness about uh, how radiation is going to affect different people. They've got to be vague because really most of them don't know. They know it's, it's not nice stuff. It's not nice stuff at all. They know it harms everybody it comes in contact with, regardless of the type that hits you, basically. And uh, it's not easy to get rid of from the soil where you grow your vegetables and the animals graze from the grass and it's in the sea now too. So we'll be back with more on this after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning that Japan has four reactors now smoking or steaming, who knows what, but regardless of even if they're steaming, it means that the water is, is superheated and is giving off um, radioactive gases. And um, it's far, far from over, it would seem. Never mind the damage it's already caused across the world and to the people of Japan itself, of course, who really, if this had happened in any other country, there'd been riots in the streets and there would be probably looting and God knows what else. But it's happened in Japan where the people seem to be more obedient and um, can manage to keep their cool under these circumstances. So that's uh, hats off to them. It's, uh, it'd be terrible, really terrible to be stuck in that situation. And once again, like all countries, we're the same too, dependent upon government um, departments of information to release any news to you at all, which is generally a, a method of controlling you rather than really informing you, and that's standard procedure and crisis control. So it's a standard procedure everywhere. So if this happens anywhere else too, it will be the same thing. Don't worry, everything's all right. And go to your work and watch television and enjoy your soaps or your sports or whatever else you watch. That's how we're treated, you see, at the bottom level. And that's the gulf, really, between uh, our systems. It's one system worldwide, really, this corporate uh, political system, uh, this combination with the lobbyists in between, a big business, and the people. There's a, a huge gulf, really, and they don't serve the people at all. They talk down to the people, and generally we get nothing of any truth, really, on any particular thing. We're kept in the dark. And those within government are perfectly aware that I'm, I'm telling the truth on this. They know this themselves. It's their job, really, to just manage the people at the bottom, uh, the, the, the great unwashed masses. There's all kinds of terms. I've heard some of them actually use about the people amongst themselves. So we're going through this uh, chaos, as I say. And I, I won't even go into this uh, farce again in, in Libya as they invade another country. And that's what it is. It's invasion of another country to grab the oil and the water, aqueducts under uh, Libya and um, massive um, water supplies under there that everybody wants to get a hold of because water is going to be as expensive under the United Nations, of course, uh, that farms out the contracts to the big companies that want to own them. And water is going to be as expensive or even more so than oil in the future. And I read that article last night where they talked about Canada uh, selling off water. Well, it won't be Canada. It's going to be corporations that are selling off water across the world. Everything you need 
to survive as, a, as an individual. Forget this collective stuff. This collective stuff. We're always getting fed. Canada has declared or, or the U.S. has declared. The people are never actually asked about anything. But they're certainly used collectively all the time by their politicians. No, it's, this is a, a corporate method of going ahead in the future and finding other ways to get your cash off you and to make you subservient to the only guys who can supply something which is vital to life, whether it be your heat, um, your electricity, your fuel, um, but mainly your food and water, heats and clothing. That's what you need to survive. And in a world of interdependence, the one that they claim they're bringing in at the United Nations, you will be utterly dependent for all your needs, all your needs, every single need, uh, not your desires, but your basic needs uh, from big corporations. And that's the way they plan. And they've been planning and actually doing it for many years now via the United Nations. So I really am disgusted when the U.S. our countries as uh, the reasons for going off to war and plunder, never mind the, the victims either that they're going over there supposedly to save and then end up blowing them up because war is not about saving anybody. War is not peacekeeping. War is war. A soldier is a soldier. He's not a peacekeeper. That's very Orwellian language, and it's deliberately so to make you think they're out over there to hand candies out to children. No, no, no. They certainly blow them away with their machine guns, but they don't hand out the candies. They just take disgusting shots of, of their victims, uh, half naked and riddled with bullets for souvenirs. That's what soldiers do. That's the reality of the world we live in. And by the way, that's, that's the, the, those are the trophies of your sons. You bred them. You bred them, but you let the state rear them. The state gave them their new morality, which is disgusting for this particular time. That's why you have disgusting soldiers across the world. Now, as I say, all this is going on, and um, I'll put up these links tonight. All the talks I have, I put up links for you to look for yourself, look up yourself and uh, keep them or, or just peruse them if you want to. And one of them, of course, is what I knew would happen. They had to have this thing happen in Japan. As I say, they have to have it happen. Otherwise, they couldn't have had their, their wish fulfillment um, agreements at the Copenhagen meetings to do with austerity and basically bringing the people down to a medieval level of survival uh, with carbon taxes and all the rest of it and energy taxes without something nasty happening. And bingo, they get exactly what they need and they're into action right away because now... Of course, they've got their NGO groups out demanding uh, that um, places like Canada uh, review its nuclear policies and all the rest of it. So it's quite wonderful when these NGOs are funded by places like the Rockefeller uh, guys and all the rest of it, who have massive shares also in the nuclear industry and in the wind and solar and everything else. Because, you see, when they move from one, they've already got their the dibs on the other for themselves. But they always use people and groups to to get what they want. And they, debat, they demand, supposedly, on behalf of the people. Well, you're not even consulted. An NGO group is nothing but a pressure group, another form of lobbying group, really well-funded, well-paid, to make sure the big business that already controls you stays in power, regardless of whatever they're flogging to you, flogging and selling to you. And in Australia, we've, we see there's, there's thousands of angry, ordinary Australians turn up and alarmist years begin. So see, when real people turn up, they can protest about getting taxed to death 
under this new uh, Roman Empire, basically. That's what it's like, all these guys, these Caesars all stuffing their faces with their gold and silver plates and 1,200 bottle champagne and uh, $820 wine, apparently. That's what they had at the last United Nations meeting when all the so-called leaders met. But, of course, they're not leaders at all. They're all told what to do and they're put in there. But nevertheless, though, just dress them up in togas, like I say, and watch their antics because they're just as disgusting as the psychopaths of ancient times. And that's basically why they're picked by their bosses, not the people, of course. But since Australia, ordinary folk are out and complaining about this carbon tax because they have a Fabian socialist now, who took over from the last Fabian socialist in, in the Australian government as prime minister, and she's pushing through uh, the carbon tax, although she, she said she probably wouldn't before she got elected. But what's new with, uh, with uh, these characters, eh? So, so in Canberra today, over 3,000 people went out of their way coming in on 30 buses for more than 1,000 kilometres away to let Julia Gillard know that Australians do not want her carbon tax. The news made every major broadcast for several minutes and protesters referred to as climate sceptics. See, smear campaign right away. It's all arranged in advance, of course, because they actually, they know everything they're going to do. They even know if ordinary folk have had enough and are going to protest without an NGO's leadership. And they already have their, their, their articles ready to hand out to the media. Others rallied around Australia, uh, got, or other rallies around Australia got hundreds of people, even though they were organized in a hurry with no advertising and with no pre-formed coalition of network groups. There was a very good crowd at the Perth rally on a hot day during business hours, and one heckler, John Brooks, uh, says the mood was striking. Uh, this is random shoestring grassroots action at the last minute, and, to, and look what it can achieve. It's just beginning, and I hope they don't stop, because, you see, they can't allow Australia to do it, because if they do, uh, th- then other countries will say, well, Australia's doing it, you know. Or, or, or they're still chopping folks' heads off in this other country, why don't we do it? Because that's what they use, isn't it? It's always that excuse that someone else is doing it. Well, so what? Look what the claiming Gaddafi was doing. Should we copy him? And anyway, it says, um, uh, this is mainstream Australia rising up. It's already the big green PR machine is at work doing all it can to deny the undeniable. As I drove home in Perth after a rally, ABC News Radio didn't mention that 3,000 people had gathered, nor that protests had happened all over the country. They may have said that earlier, but all I heard was how Tony Abbott was under a cloud for having spoken at a rally with extremists. So you're labelled as extremist. And, of course, the Telegraph headlined it too. It says here, uh, the Labour Party backbencher gets press time for his uh, free shot at calling them extremists. So that's what you expect, you see, if you're not a, an authorised, uh, directed, managed NGO. You're an extremist and you're a sceptic for climate and all the rest of it. Now, we understand, too, the agenda that's well set out here in a post-consumerist society, and that's what they've told us we have to be, is that your, your expendable income, disposable income, uh, that you spend on other things, apart from necessities, will have to be spent on higher fees, taxes, and all the rest of it. So this is really a form of head tax, a living tax, you might call it, because, you see, you are a carbon-based lifestyle, and you breathe out carbon dioxide. And then they want to tax you energy taxes on top of that for the cost of every item that you buy, how much it, it took in energy-wise to make that thing, and then factor that through their wonderful mathematical machines to figure out a way to tax you on that, two through a percentage quota, etc. So 
we can't let these things go on because we're getting put into utter servitude, but more than we are already, and we are really in servitude. We're under this new, as I say, corporate, uh, governmental, uh, and lobbyist um, uh, system, which is a, a medieval form of feudalism with dressed in business suits for the times. That's all it is. And it really, it truly is. I hope you understand that. But it's so sickening, as I say, to hear them using countries and, and the coalitions of, 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 of governments or countries going off to war or, or peacekeep in other Arab countries. We've, we've seen what they've done already in Iraq. They demolished all of his infrastructure. That was his water supplies, pumping houses, the food, even the baby food factories and everything. They demolished everything for those people could not survive on their own anymore. Totally dependent, bombed in the Stone Age. And that's what they want to do to Libya and then take the oil. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix, just venting off steam, not radioactive, but uh, venting off steam about uh, how we're, we're used as countries, you know, the people of Canada, the people of the US, the people of Britain, France, and all, are on board in a coalition to peacekeep, you know, in this country or that country or whatever it happens to be, and no one's asked the, if the consent on this at all. In fact, what they have to take it is if you bother voting at all, then whoever is up there in the party, you know, the party like Orwell's party they kept talking about, and they certainly can party with your cash, but anyway, uh, whoever's on board with them up there uh, will be on board with the Prime Minister, who obviously is put in place by his boss as well, not the people. So it's just disgusting how they use countries as, as some kind of uh, legitimate reason to go in war with other countries when it suits them and then hand over oil fields to the big corporations once they've plundered the land. And that's exactly what happened. It's been the major media when they actually divvied up and gave you the quotas of how much oil they were given to each one of the big usual uh, corporations of oil, all corporate characters. So... It's the same deal here. It doesn't matter about rebels or, or anything else because this whole thing was planned years ago about Libya. They've had the, the, the so-called, they call them normally insurgents, but now they're freedom fighters when it's, when it's their boys that are in there. And um, they're trying to save them, supposedly. And yesterday, uh, a bunch of them were cheering a jet passing by. They're these ones who were fighting Gaddafi. And a missile landed amongst them from the friendly, you know, friendly allies and blew them all up on the spot. So uh, war doesn't really care who it kills, especially when it's after uh, it's using using people, saving people as as an excuse to plunder. And that's what it is, as I say. Quite something else. But uh, I'll also put a link up tonight because the United Nations is uh, trying to keep this coalition of the gangsters in place. All the countries are on board and who want to divvy up the oil fields for themselves. That's why they're all there. Uh, and uh, I think Germany's pulled out of it. Now they're pulling the ships out, and others may follow. Uh, some, some haven't agreed to send anything after seeing they're on board with it. 
So we'll see how this goes. It won't matter. The U.S. will do most of the work because of the biggest tax base to, rep- to replace all those missiles and all the rest of it uh, that's getting used over there. That's what the U.S. is used for, has been for an awful long time. It's a big engine for demolishing countries as they get demolished back home as well and into austerity with everything closing down and higher taxes, massive taxes coming on the way. So I'll put this link up and you'll hear the guys at the United Nations trying to keep them together. And um, apparently, too, Hillary Clinton's been one of the main agitators for these kind of wars. And it's, I guess that's her calling, I suppose. And just like Madeleine Albright, and uh, she's on board with it all. And, and she helped set a lot of this uh, deton up to get it all going amongst all the characters who are involved. Anyway, that's that. And also, it's interesting, too, uh, that as the people, <laughs> the people in the U.S. have no idea how much they're going to get taxed. They have no idea, even though they hear it. You can hear th- things so many times but, and kind of imagine you understand it, but you don't un- until you experience it, it for yourself. And that's true of all things. And uh, they have no idea how people in Britain are taxed, or Canada for that matter, uh, for so many, many things. And in this new world order, you see they have to bring in a general sales tax or a value-added tax. It's the same thing. Uh, that's been agreed at the United Nations, a world value-added tax on everything that you purchase. And they haven't got it in the U.S. yet. And they've the most massive debt of any nation on the planet that's supposed to pay off, which is a joke. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you could never pay it off. But regardless of that, they're, they're building all these new fighter bombers that have now already gone over by half of the stated price of what I read a couple of days ago. And all these great big plans for the future, because their, their gangster bosses have got, are very ambitious for themselves, that is, their own careers. And, you know, I guess they all see themselves as Caesars or something. But anyway, uh, Bill Clinton now has, has come forward. You know, this is, a, this is called a parallel government, by the way. And Carol quickly talks about it. Margaret Thatcher talked about it. She said when she retired from politics or from the prime ministership, she says, I now belong to the parallel government. She says, we consist of ex-presidents and prime ministers and, and top bureaucrats who all know each other across the world, and we can get the jobs done which governments can't because we're not responsible to the people. That fits in right in with the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, same thing. And that's what it is. And Bill Clinton's doing the same thing, you see. Uh, it says, tax on e-commerce. On the issue of taxes applied to Internet retailers, President Bill Clinton appealed to more fully shift away from the laissez-faire stance. He struck while in office arguing that a consumption tax. Now, it's a consumption tax. You be very careful with the words you use. It won't just be on e-commerce. It should be placed on e-commerce. Because uh, once you've got it on the books, it, it, it'll be on everything eventually. Clinton spoke Wednesday night at the 40th public meeting of the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. That's the ICANN. Surely you put the, the, a in a, a in a, the I in a different place and you've got Cain there. Anyway, the body that oversees the domain name system at the heart of the Internet. That's a big controlling thing for the world society, for the United Nations, and as a private corporation. Though. Clinton said the Internet Freedom, he signed uh, the Internet Freedom Tax Act in 1998, whose chief effect was the de facto elimination of sales tax for EE tailors who did not have a physical presence in the state in which a purchase was made. Clinton said then that he did so to prevent stifling the emerging net economy, although he did believe in funding state and local governments. 
Since then, however, companies like Amazon have used the Act's provision to undercut local retailers while cutting ties with affiliates in states that consider those affiliates a physical presence and thus justification to charge taxes. In other words, they're going ahead with it anyway, and you're going to find you'll, you're going to pay through the nose just the same as the retailers do this in the stores for the same things. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. And I I saw a, a video the other day there, and it was about, it was called Erasing David. Erasing David. It was about a, a guy, I guess he's a writer, who decided to go uh, uh, disappear, basically, and um, to see if he could. And he also hired two detectives, detectives to find him, and it took about a month or so to find him. However, um, this guy was amazed at how much data that even private detectives could, could gather on a person from all the information that's out there about you, from all the various sources which you use. And that's low-level stuff. It's, it's pretty well all of you available to people who are pretty low level. Uh, and governments, of course, it didn't take into the fact that you've got instant uh, IDs from, from digital photographs and cameras at uh, railway stations, airports, or anywhere else you happen to go. Of course, that's left for the government agencies to do. They know where you are at all times. So he used low-level tactics, made every mistake in the book, of course. But as I say, at the end, they showed him a, a wall plastered with even a copies, birth certificate, birth certificate that had everything on him there, all his children's stuff too. And um, it, it was quite fascinating. He even goes into schools where they're thumbprinting children for their food and so on and teaching them to get ready for a cashless society. That's how you do it, you see, generation by generation. You train them in school that, you know, totalitarianism is normal. And the previous generation got taught to go through the metal detectors in schools, the, the gates there, going through uh, under the pretense of carrying guns and knives or, or scissors or nail clippers or anything else, maybe even a, a, a fork even to eat your dinner. However, uh, that's what they've done. They've trained a generation. Now they're after the really young children uh, who go through the same thing, of course, to give their fingerprints for their food. Isn't that nice? Fingerprinting for food. Uh, that's very, very advanced civilization indeed. It, it reminds me something that the ancient Romans would have done too if they had fingerprint testing. But um, that's how it goes. Ancient Rome actually and Greece, they used to give you the slave, uh, it was like a seal, a clay seal stamped uh, by the owner. The owner had half of it, they broke it in half. The slave wore it around his neck and he had to show that seal wherever he went. And if there's any questions about it, he'd have to be, be taken to the owner and then match the two parts together. And that's how they survived, of course, and got their uh, little bit of green thrown towards them too in a chicken leg once in a blue moon. So we're training the children the way we're supposed to be trained in this post-democratic, as the Club of Rome said, uh, system, this world system. But anyway... Here's another article that ties in with uh, Raising David because it's a police website and they buy products too and software and all the rest of it. 
and your local police have this. And it's put out by Thomson Reuters, the you know, great news givers, of course, the ones who want to inform you that you're really slaves. And, you know, anyway, it's called Clear, and I've mentioned this one before. It's an online investigative platform for law enforcement and government users. It offers access to a vast collection of public and proprietary records to help you find out about people and their connections and close cases faster. And they go through the different things you can do with it, locate people, assets, businesses, affiliations, and other critical facts. You see, they have all that data gathered about you just from the corporate level pretty well. Make connections amongst individuals, incidents, activities, locations. Visualize, detect, and analyze patterns and trends in offenses and offenders. And I'll put this pretty well an ad for them up for you to look at too. You see, we have no privacy at all anymore. And all the lowlife can get a hold of this stuff, too, if they can bribe the cops, which they actually do. All the private detectives do it, too. And they're not adverse either, taking bribes to give to other corporations that might not have as much as some of the other big corporations. And people are giving out information all the time, all the time, about themselves. And, and they're so stupid now, they don't even know it. Everything to them is normal, even giving it out to anybody that asks for it, or even a computer asking for it or a site asking for it, or whatever, and they don't even think twice about it. That's a good, happy slave. That's a good, happy slave. It truly is. I can remember Rockefeller giving a talk once about the people, and he said they'll come to us with perfect docility, docility, and say, help us. Well, that's where we are as a people today. We're the most domesticated species on the planet uh, that makes it very, very easy for tyrants and psychopaths to rule you uh, under any guise they wish to, you know, presidents, prime ministers, or whatever. They're very ambitious people for power. Uh, they crave power, and they're right into politics, of course, and they all know what the people want to hear, you know, brass bands, flag-waving, and statements and, and quotes from, from past founding fathers, etc., uh, just flow out their tongue uh, or off their tongue as they, as they think something else and, and scheme away about their new plans because they all retire, if you haven't noticed, awfully, awfully richer than they went in. Awfully richer. Now, the plants in these, uh, these, these um, big nuclear plants in Japan were made by General Electric a long time ago and... Um, I think it was connected to, they came out of to go over and set them up at the time. And I mentioned before, the GE's um, head is called Mr. Imelt. Isn't that nice, Imelt? Would you buy one from him? And where's their help to the guys in Japan, by the way? But anyway, um, Obama asked GE's Imelt, or Imelt, to head economic advisory panel replacing Volcker. So I guess you're going to get another financial meltdown, too, from this character. And it says... Um, Frederick Waddle, Chief Executive Officer of Northern Trust Corps, talks about U.S. President Barack Obama's decision to name General Electric Company Chief Executive Jeffrey Emmelt to replace Paul Volcker as head of the President's Outside Panel of Economic Advisors. So I'll put that link up too for those who care to force their way through it because we hate reading about these things even though we're supposed to watch these guys like a hawk. Most folk don't, unfortunately. And since we're in a totalitarian regime, since openly, obviously, we were in it before, we just didn't know it, but before 9-11 it was done a bit more subtly. Uh, they already had all the surveillance stuff set up and their plans 20 years before that, 30 years before that. And um, since 9-11 that gave them their excuse to put it all into action. 
But uh, as I go as I go into more post-democratic systems and, and techniques and uh, ways, uh, this is what's coming out now. Because under the Constitution, even this vague Constitution of Britain, uh, where it's supposed to be an oral tradition that keeps getting uh, very elasticated, to put it mildly, uh, so this, you can't talk to your member of parliament anymore, even though that's your right to do so. And it doesn't really matter, to be honest with you, because we've talked to them in the past, and they just go back and say, I'm sorry, I had to vote with the party on this. And they're just trained seals that clap for the guy who's at the top, that's all. Anyway, it says, hyper-injunction stops you talking to members of parliament. Voters are being barred from speaking to their members of parliament under a new generation of gagging orders known as hyper-injunctions. The House of Commons has been told. That's for the commoners. This month, Mr. Hemming used parliamentary privilege to disclose that Sir Fred Goodwin above had taken out a super-injunction. This month, John Hemming used parliamentary privilege to disclose... Well, well, same thing again. Politicians criticized injunctions as an affront to democracy. Well, no one bothered before. After John Hemming, a Liberal Democrat MP, disclosed details of one on the floor of the Commons last week. His comments are protected by parliamentary privilege, which means he cannot face court proceedings for revealing the injunction's existence. They've got it all tied up, haven't they? Eh? This month, Mr. Hemming also used par- parliamentary privilege to disclose that Sir Fred Goodwin, the former chief executive of the Royal Bank of Scotland, had taken out a super injunction as well. That's the guy that left with, oh, was it nine million or something? It's a terrific payoff anyway. The hyper-injunction goes a step further. Mr. Herring told the comments that the order, which was obtained at the High Court in 2006, prevents an individual from saying that paint used in water tanks on passenger ships could break down and release potentially toxic chemicals. I guess you would say the same if you had a leak at one of the power plants too, uh, and just don't bother telling the people. So anyway, it says, it specifically bars a person from discussing the case with members of parliament, journalists and lawyers, along with the U.S. Coast Guard uh, and any ship owners, and also forbids any speculation linking chemicals in the paint with the illness of any individuals. It's, it's amazing, really, but this will spread to other things too. And to be honest with you, the politicians are seldom in your area, unless it's near voting time, and uh, that's the last you see them anyway. And when you do see them, they're just listening to half an ear because they're supposed to be there. And it's been like that for as long as I've been on this, walking this little ball of mud called the earth. And here's another article too about the, again, the breed, the breed that's grown up watching grotesque movies, uh, playing games that do with killing all the time. The guys who have itchy fingers who get their dream wish of becoming cops or in the military and actually dress up like the guys in the movies or the cartoons that they watch or whatever it happens to be today. But um, here's an article about uh, stupid parents, very stupid parents who obviously live in a different world, an Andy of Maybury-type scenario. It says here, Salt Lake City, police officers responded to a family's complaint that their diabetic son may have been in danger from driving without taking his medicine, may have been in danger, right? without taking his medicine, by running him off the road into an interstate highway median and then shooting him to death, the family says. Joey Tucker's father, Perry Tucker, and his fiancée, Brienne Matson say they were concerned about his health. They're stupid parents for you calling the cops, eh? When they called Salt Lake City Police, Joey Tucker had not taken his diabetes medication and had possibly taken a, and possibly taken a sleeping pill. They, they really knew what they're talking about, eh? The family claims a highway patrol trooper rammed Tucker's pickup into a concrete barrier as Tucker drove on Interstate 80. Then Salt Lake Police Officer Louise Law Jones shot him to death while he was simply sitting 
uh, at the wheel, all of which was recorded on officers' dashboard cameras. Prayer Tucker was concerned that his son had not taken his medication, etc., etc. And then it says, um, um, Officer Jones and Lisa Pascaldo and Highway Patrol Trooper Lawrence Hopper trailed Tucker on city streets on the freeway, uh, forcing uh, a pursued vehicle to turn sideways. Uh, this is what they do, a pit maneuver, they call it, when they try to turn sideways uh, to its direction of travel, which is immobilizing it. Well, they, they turned him from his direction of travel and put him into the, to the concrete median. Uh, Hopper's first attempt was unsuccessful, and his second try he made Joey Tucker's vehicle spin. That's really been safe, isn't it? And collide with a cement barrier as he was traveling on a 1 to 80 at the complete states. A 180, I guess it's a highway. Immediately after Joey's vehicle came to a stop with the vehicle in reverse, with Joey sitting there with his hands on the steering wheel, surrounded by Officer Jones, Officer Prescaldo, and Trooper Hopper, Officer Jones fired three shots, killing Joey, the complaint states. It says uh, Joey was surrounded. There was no where for him to go. And according to the, the dash cam video, it did not show Joey accelerating or putting his vehicle in drive to move to his vehicle. And, in other words, he was trying, wasn't trying to move away at all. The thing was dead stopped, you know. No time did any of the other officers or trooper hopper shoot out Joey's tires or spike the tires. No, it's better to kill folk today. They've seen so many movies about it, and they've seen it. so many cops now getting away with killing folk that uh, the cops all got the message, you're allowed to kill civilians now. The complaint states immediately after hearing Officer Jones discharge his gun, the only thing you can hear on the dash cam video was trooper hopper exclaiming, oh no, oh shit, he says here. So I guess that's his whole vocabulary. Of, of this particular officer because that's what he's got in his head. After the use of unreasonable, excessively deadly force, Officer Jones was not terminated. So there's another message to the cops. was not terminated or reprimanded by Salt Lake City Corporation. See, that's a message the police know today they're allowed to kill with impunity. And it's the same in other countries too, by the way, since 9-11. And the governments have made sure that they've got that message. So... Uh, if you're stupid enough to call the cops to help someone, uh, uh, well, what would Darwin say about your brain? Anyway, that's all I can say about that. Now, <laughs> the FBI's unveiling its next generation of ID uh, systems, which was is going to replace the, the older systems, probably about a year old or something, because they're just like the military, they go through this stuff like crazy. It's the NGI system built by Lockheed Martin. See how the big military-industrial complex, like Eisenhower said, have, <laughs> are ruling you, you know? These guys make all the weaponry, missiles, and everything, and the aircraft, the fighter planes. It's to allow FBI office employees to conduct automated fingerprint searches and exchange information with more than 18,000 law enforcement agencies on the spot, you see. So you can take your fingerprint on the spot. And it's advanced technology and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's just more of your tax money going down that big hole, you know, that supposedly your great, 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 great grandchildren are supposed to try and pay off, which could never happen. And um, we're all in step with China. China is a model state for the world, according to United Nations. And, uh, and even Mr. Soros says the same thing, too. He loves the way that China runs its people. And China now has even more censorship. Uh, this is in the, the Times. This is a story that counts an eye-opening anecdote. Chinese entrepreneur on the phone with his girlfriend and equipped quoting Shakespeare, the lady doth protest too much. Upon the word protest, the phone call cut off. He was speaking in English, but this also happened to people speaking in Mandarin, so it's not just a one-off. So they're, they're actually cutting off your phone calls if you use certain words now too, which they consider to be anti-government regardless of the format in which you're using it. 
So we'll be there shortly too. We know we're all being monitored. Most folk don't mind. As I say, we're the most domesticated um, generation on the planet. And they're making sure that young young children from kindergarten onwards are going to be even more domesticated. I think it's all quite right getting x-rayed on the streets and everywhere else or getting on a bus and stuff like that. And no one, no one really bothers now. It's hard to get public indignant about anything. Even the mass pillaging they've got uh, done to them by the banks and then the banks get rewarded for it and no one goes to jail except Madoff even though they're all in on it too. I'll put an article too tonight by the Rolling Stone magazine on that very topic as well, how they all got off with it and then they got rewarded, and how we just go at the bottom, oh, well, you know, oh, well, what's next? What's in television? Eh? Now, there's some callers on the line. There's um, Sean from California. Is Sean there? Hello? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, Alan, for uh, your anti-war stance. I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about this, uh, these Illuminati cards? Um, is it, um, I noticed that one here, they got the, like a nuclear monster and a few others that really pinpoint a lot of the, what happened in uh, Japan. Um, is it anything you've, you, you know, have you researched at all? What was it you call them? Uh, Illuminati card game. There's over there's 330 oh. cards. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I haven't looked into it actually though, but I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe you want to look into it. It's interesting. They got the, the this one that's nuclear monster, and it it talks about Japan and California being affected by, uh, you know, uh, problems. And there's another one that's like a, a mixture of of uh, cataclysmic events, and then. Um, and then there's also a nuclear one, too. It's quite interesting um, how they correlate with Japan and everything. It is. Uh, someone told me, too, there was a video game out years ago that had uh, the same kind of thing happening in Japan and a meltdown as well. Uh, so, I uh, believe yeah, it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's so you always get so word of that, too. It'll probably come out afterwards that uh, the insurance and so on probably changed the day before or something like that. Like, and we'll all say, well, that's too much of a coincidence. It has to be a coincidence. Uh, just like the towers being reinsured on a down payment only, by the way, uh, about, about a, a week before the towers went down. And, yeah, um, yeah, 9-11, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it all t- it's the same old story, absolutely. Yeah, Somebody always knows. Yeah, that's it. Back, back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Bob from Texas. Are you there, Bob? Hello, Alan. Yes. And I, uh, this is great, man. Okay, thanks for taking my call uh, because this is number three, and I'm loving this. Okay, I'm with you on the uh, with your stance on the, the so-called war. And mm-hmm. I heard an uh, Obama quote today on NPR going to work. He said, uh, "said uh, quoting it, paraphrasing, support the mission, but." Uh, we're not going to take a leading role. Well, who's taking a leading role? Okay, yeah. he's going to support the mission, uh, whatever this is. And you know, well, it's obvious who's taking the leading role: the UN. Okay, that's right. The UN. It's the first time, as I said, I said, I said last week or so. It's the first time that um, the UN has declared war as an institution. Yeah. Unbelievable! 
and then it says no one, you know, here, it, it, I'm going to, there is no one that's actually, there's no one saying anything about this. This is what's blowing my mind. I mean, this is so yeah. unconstitutional, according to the American Constitution. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It hasn't been discussed in any government's parliament or, or Congress, no. Yeah. And, and what I thought was interesting on the rebound, right after that on NPR, was a, uh, uh, they interviewed the president of the Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah. And I can't remember the guy's name, but I just remember. Anyway, and he was criticizing Obama for doing this. Mm-hmm. And if you listen close to their speech, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's not a, I mean, they're criticizing to give the, the illusion that there's a mm-hmm. criticism, okay? But yeah. he says, it's beyond me. Okay, when he says it's beyond me, mm-hmm. well, what is the president of the CFR saying it's beyond me? He's saying it's, it's somebody else. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. Do you, do you, I mean, when like like when you're in tune with what's going on, you can read through, and it was like it was a canned. It was, yeah, uh, like uh, they had it was scripted. Oh, it's always scripted for the public, regardless of who's talking. Uh, these big institutions, because I read that article the other day there, where Hillary Clinton spoke at the CFR club. And she said she, she referred back to the, the, the mother club in, in New York City, and she said the same thing because pretty well all of the, the, the your, your uh, congressmen and so on belong to it. They're right, members of this private. Anything. That's why they're not saying yeah, anything. Yeah, and, and it's a private organization. It's a private organization. What I think it's interesting is, is, is how they all uh, protested against um, uh, George Bush when mm-hmm. he did this. But see, that was even that they got paid protesters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's to give the illusion, the illusion right. that there's some sort of difference going on. Man, I'd love to sit down at a pub. Yeah, e- even though Rumsfeld, Rumsfeld himself congratulated Obama for carrying out the, continuing the same policy as the Bush, because that's what he's doing. But, but they're trying to bring him through all this slaughter with, with a nice clean face, that's all. Right, yeah. and, and give it that patriotic look, yep. you know. And, you know, and, and then to comment real quick, because I know we're closing here, but raising David on your comments on that, you know, uh, I took a, uh, I worked here a couple of years ago. I uh, went and worked for the Hyatt Regency, okay? Yeah. Took a, had to take a DNA test, mm-hmm. you know, before going through that. You know, and it's just like you say, the sheeple just sitting there. You know, these people have my DNA. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, can I have your DNA? That's uh, right. How about you giving me your Social Security number? Oh, no. Yes. Do you see, you know what I'm saying? And it's a one-way one street, absolutely. It's authoritarianism, and that's exactly what it is. It's a one-way street, yeah. Hey, man, God bless you, you know. Thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks for calling. And uh, maybe Stu from Texas can call back tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, but from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, with the radiation still flowing over us here, it's good night to me, your God or your God school with you. <laughs>